How many people know when you're in the dark about something, as it were, so to speak? You know, in other words, you're not fully informed that you don't always know where you're going or what's happening. You know, I want to try and help us tonight. I want to speak into the heart of this church tonight in Jesus' name and share some things with you. Because, you know, we have really, really transitioned. You know, I don't really believe that we are what we were. Can anybody say amen? And we'll qualify that tonight. Uh, in terms of what's strong on my heart. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 11, if you will. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. There's no hiding place, church. I'm telling you. There is no hiding place. God can get a hold of you. I'm telling you something. He can just confront you face to face. You have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. You know, and I think that's what he's going to do a wee bit tonight. <laughs> so, praise God. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 27. We're going to read from there. Okay? And um, we'll see where the Lord takes us tonight. I can feel the presence of God standing up here. I'll tell you what. I don't know if you can feel it down there. If you can't, you should come up here. <laughs> Look what it says. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution. Persecution will always scatter. But God uses that. Okay? Persecution is not a bad thing. We think it's a bad thing. Here's what the book of Exodus says. The more they afflicted them, the more they grew. Okay? So think about that the next time you're being persecuted. God might want to grow you. Huh? Might want to put some steel in you. So it says that upon the persecution, they were scattered abroad, that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phenis, okay, and Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to none, but unto the Jews only. Verse 20, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. You see? So one group of people were being preached to. When certain other guys come on the scene, they start crossing cultural boundaries. Okay? They speak unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Verse 22, it says, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. Say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Say Antioch. Antioch. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse 23, Who when he came and had seen the grace of God. How many people know you can see the grace of God? You can see it on a church. You can see it on an individual. You can see it on a family. You can see it on a city. You can see it on a nation. You can see it on a continent. The grace of God can be seen at times. Okay? And when they seen the grace of God, was, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. Okay? Some people need to be told that today in the church. 
You better cleave to the Lord. Stick to him like glue. Read the amplified version of John 3.16. It means a wee, more than, wee bit more than just a mental assent to the Lord. You know, I believe in Jesus, yeah. Even the devils believe and tremble. Now watch this. It says so, verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Isn't it amazing what goodness, okay, and the Holy Ghost and faith in a person's life can do to attract others? Isn't it amazing? Just those little qualities. Now look at 25. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Sarsus for to seek Saul. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year, say a whole year, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Eh? That's some Bible study. A year. Lasted a year. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. How many people know that that word there, that definition Christian there, is a wee bit further from what we see now huh? as Christian. Everybody's called Christian now. Huh? Verse 27, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, I want to talk to you about Jerusalem and Antioch because we've heard that lately said. I've said it. I think Pastor John has said it. Marvin has said it. Other people have been using those terms and those expressions. So I want to qualify them tonight. And I want to talk about the two models of church that we see in the book of Acts. We see the Jerusalem church. Then we see the Antioch church. And you know something? They're two different models. They're two different models. And I really believe, church, that even we here in Highway of Holiness Church, we have functioned as a Jerusalem church. We have functioned like that. I'll show you what that means. But we are now transitioning and have transitioned to some degree into an Antioch church. Okay? They're, they're different. And I want to show you why they're different tonight. And I want to give you an understanding of the nature of church and the type of church that you are now sitting in. Because if you are still looking for Jerusalem type of church, you're going to be disappointed in here. You're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to be confused. You know, many people are content with Jerusalem type church. I'm not. Praise God. Are there good qualities in Jerusalem church? Yes. Are there certain strengths in Jerusalem type church? Yes. But when God calls a people and a church to transition, how many people know we've got to do it? We've got to do it. If you don't do it, you can be left behind. If you don't do it, you can be operating in an old wineskin when God wants you in a new wineskin. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of times I can understand now why people in church struggle with trying to get a church from a Jerusalem-type model to an Antioch-type model. Do you know that's a big struggle for a lot of people today? There are apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists, okay? Not so much pastors, believe it or not, but the other four trying hard to get the church to step over, and they've got a great struggle, okay? They're misunderstood at times. 
But this is not the work of men. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Even God would not allow the Jerusalem church to stay the Jerusalem church. He blew in persecution to get them to move, to get them to do something, to get them to go somewhere. You know, God does not like his people comfortable. He doesn't like his church too comfortable. Because you know what? We stagnate. Now, here's some of the traits of a Jerusalem-type church, okay? You will see all kinds of ministries in a Jerusalem-type church, okay? Why? Because all kinds of ministries were functioning in Jerusalem in the early days. They were all there, okay? What else? You will see mostly, not wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, but mostly you will see inward growth, okay? They grew inward. What else? They were focused on Jerusalem. You see, churches that are pastorally governed, they will only focus on the locality. That's the pastoral heart. Won't go beyond, beyond the local. That's the Jerusalem-type church. Now watch where we're going tonight. Jerusalem was a base for the apostles. In the early days, it was a base for the apostles. I'll tell you something, apostles need a base. I'm telling you something, even apostles that travel the world, they still need a base. You know that? You see some of these ministries that you enjoy and you glean from on the, on the TV, on God TV, these big name ministries and teachers and da-da-da. Do you know that they all have local churches? You know they're all accountable to their leaders? You know, even the biggest people, you see, Joyce Meyer has a pastor. She has an eldership. She has a five-fold ministry speaking into her life, you know? Now, watch this. Put up for me Acts chapter 5 and verse 16. Here's the mindset of the Jerusalem-type church or the pastoral-only model of church. It says, There came also a multitude out of the cities round about under Jerusalem. Do you know what kind of a mindset lingers in a Jerusalem-type church? A come-to-us mindset. Can you see that? A come-to-us. We're going to look at the differences. So they came to Jerusalem, and they brought sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. So here's some of the good stuff even in Jerusalem-type model. You still get healed. You still get delivered. You know, when you come to it, okay? But they had a come-to-us mindset. And then here's another mindset that they had, a become-like-us mindset. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've seen people going into certain denominations. After a very short period of time, you can just tell they're of that denomination. They take on the traits. Huh? You could just line them up and say, duh, 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 duh. Okay? Well, I could with some of them. Don't know about you. And I've listened to them for five months. I could line them up even more. Okay? But we're still the church. But denominational traits can get on us. Okay? Now, look at Acts 21.20. Because a Jerusalem-type model has a traditional mindset as well. A traditional mindset. Why? It says, And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, 
how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. How many people know Jesus came to set us free from the law? And he was the fulfillment of the law. And you all understand in this church that if you keep one part of the law, you keep it all. Okay? So don't start giving me one-liners about, about not eating this or this or that or the other. Because I'll be looking to see if you're going to keep the other 3,000 Lord laws. Can somebody say amen? amen? And that is a real bone of contention even in the church today. I've seen people running around with their wee beliefs. Now don't eat this and, and they wear these wee caps and, and they do this and they do that. And they've all got their own wee quirky things. You know, you know what I'm telling you? We're free. We're free from the yoke of bondage, the Bible calls it. The yoke of bondage. Huh? Jesus nailed it to his cross. Okay, now, if you want to take it another step further, there's 3,000 commandments in the New Testament. <laughs> you know? 3,000 something and, 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 and commandments in the New Testament, you know? Let not. These types of phrases and statements in the New Testament. So, so it had a traditional mindset. These guys were saved, they believed in the Lord, but they wanted the law too. You see that tradition? How many people know you, you can have salvation and mixed in with tradition? Huh? I was talking to somebody there on the phone yesterday, and they sent me out a booklet via email today about a newscaster, a well-known BBC newscaster who's saved, but, you know, has, has, has taken himself to task on writing this book, book about why there should be no sport on a Sunday. Because it's the Lord's day. He's gone down a wrong line. I'm telling you something. Every day is the Lord's day. You know? Huh? You're going to start law-keeping now, Sabbath-keeping, you know? Actually, you wouldn't play football on a Saturday. You know, where, where do you go with all this? You start getting entangled again with the yoke of bondage, and then one leaves the leaves the leaves the, and then before you know it, we're like Galatia. Somebody has to come and set us free again. Huh? And then he starts talking to me about, um, about you know, people from the Catholic persuasion, and starts telling me, now he's born again, how he, like, I'm a good orange man, I'm a loyalist. You know, can I tell you something? Jesus has us. Every part of us. You know, I don't see those lines. We got to see people. You know, and I was going, I was saying, he was railing me up. I said, no, nah, I'm going nowhere. Go no, I'm not going to get into this. Some people, there's no change in them. So I'm not going to talk to a guy over the phone and drain all my anointing on trying to convince him when he's been like that for all of his life. No, let somebody else do that. I said, God bless you, brother. I love you. Yeah, see you soon. Bye. You know? And I do love him, you know? But I'm not going to try and change him. Only Jesus can change people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what else a Jerusalem church is, right? It's a place of accountability. You know? Because there was accountability there in Jerusalem. There was accountability. Talking about a Jerusalem church. Okay, here's another thing. It had influence. Make no mistake. It had influence. That's where they were. And they were influential. But here's the other thing. It was settled. Nice and settled. Eh? Don't you just love being settled as a Christian? I don't, because I know something's coming. I know when I get too settled, God starts to do something. You know? And then Marty gets nervous. 
Because when I, when I when God, I can get quite radical. You know? How many people believe we should be radical? You know? See, if you're, I've said this a million times. I keep saying, if you get into a little mode where your Christianity's comfortable and you can't remember the last time you were required to do something out of the ordinary, whether it was giving or doing something or being somewhere or, or, or doing, doing something till you're absolutely exhausted, then the chances are, you know what? You're just settled. You know? God will requires sacrifice. If your Christianity is no sacrifice in it, what is it? It has to have sacrifice in it. It has to have some level of commitment. It has to have some level of uncomfortableness in it. You know, some Christians, the last time they were challenged was the day they got saved. I'm serious. Now, let's look at Antioch just quickly. Antioch was not a come-to-us mindset church. Did anybody know what the mindset was in the Antioch church? We'll come to you. We'll come to you. You see that? Now, there are evidences all through the life and the heart of this church that God is requiring us to model according to the Antioch model. You know, and I'm going to, I'm going to say some stuff later on that might irritate some of you and you'll be, oh, Pastor, I need to speak to you. Okay, come and speak. As long as you can let me then speak back. Okay? Uh, it has a will come to you mindset. What, what else existed in Antioch Church? An outreach mindset. It was an outreach mindset. It wasn't inward. It was out. Woo, I'm telling you. What else? There was, this might spook some people, new theology. Oh, can you imagine? Paul upset some people with his new theology. Now, while we are not called to create new theology because the canon of Scripture is closed. What we can certainly have as an apostolic people, because you remember I preached that message nearly, a, a, was it eight months ago, a, a, becoming an apostolic people. I didn't even know what I was preaching then, but I know now. And you know what we must have as an apostolic people? We don't, we don't, we don't form new, new Scriptures. We don't write a new Bible but we certainly have a fresh interpretation on what's been already written. And we must be used by God to restore truths that have been lost and freshen things up. Huh? We, must, we must have that. You must have that in the church. Otherwise, it just becomes letter. And what does it say? The Spirit gives life, but the letter what? Kills. Dead. The Bible's dead to some people. It's not dead to everybody, but it's dead to some people. You know? Dead. But to us, it's got to be alive. There's got to be the Spirit on it, bringing it to life, bringing it into our circumstances. Logia living doctrines that produce life upon obedience to them. So that's what we've got to have, a fresh interpretation. You know, we don't, we don't govern the church by tradition. We, 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 we govern it by the, the, the present truth that we're flowing in. We're flowing in present truth now. What is the present truth we're flowing in? God saying, I want you to move from this to this. That was good while it lasted. It was all right for that time. But now, become this. So we have to be a people that we're prepared to flow and go with God. But Master, I don't understand that. I may go back to that wee church over such and such. Sometimes, as I've said to you before, grab a hold of somebody you trust. And you love, and you know who loves you. Shut your eyes, grab their shirt tail, and go with them. And you might end up somewhere. Huh? 
I'm not saying that grab anybody's shirt tail. <laughs> I'm not saying grab a hold of somebody you just met last week. You're making a mistake if you do that. What else did Antioch have? It had a sending mentality. Do you know something in the last number of weeks? Do you know how many times I've been asked by many different people to send people to their church to cover for them? Yeah? Pastor Herbie's been out. George, you were out on Sunday. Somebody's going out this Sunday. Somebody's going out the next Sunday. Somebody's in that church a couple of weeks ago. Somebody was in that church a couple of weeks ago. These guys are sending me now, can you send us Sunday? Can you send us Sunday? Can you, I'm on holiday. Can you get me cover, Glenn? Can you do this? Can you do that? That's all part of God's evidence and God's provocation. I'm telling you something. People are going to go out of this church. Now, they may come back to it, but they're going to go in Jesus' name. Yeah? Why? Why? Because you've got to have somewhere to go from and somewhere to come back to. Because you can't minister all your whole life. You're going to need some input. That when you go out, you've got something to go out with. Huh? So there was a sending mentality. What else was there in Antioch Church? An equipping mentality. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm going to get you, Nate. An equipping mentality. And what else was a, was a prevailing mindset in Antioch Church? They were unsettled. Unsettled. Why? Proton anointing, pioneer anointing, first thing anointing was so resident in that church that they just couldn't sit in their laurels and twiddle their thumbs. They couldn't do it. They were always looking, working we go, what can we do? Working God sent us. What needs pioneered? What new areas need broke into? What people groups have not yet been reached? That's the way Antioch was. They were unsettled. Wouldn't rest in their laurels. Wouldn't sit and do church. Couldn't do it. Something more in them. Now, the pastoral mindset, which is resident, was resident in Jerusalem, okay? Inward, grew inwardly. Yeah? Just the Jews only. Because, well, we huddle. And God says, right, I've had enough of that. I'm going to send persecution in there to blow them guys out. I'll get them out, no matter what I have to do. That's what God was saying. Okay? The pastoral mindset is biblically defined, listen to this, as an eldership principle of curing and nurturing, okay, curing and nurturing the flocks in a locality. Okay? Now, <clears throat> that's the main concern of the pastoral heart. We've said that a couple of weeks ago, is to nurture and care for the sheep in a locality. You know, but listen to me. Can I tell you something? I'm going to say this. See, if you're telling me that you are mature, you're self-governing and you've got good self-differentiation, and I'll talk about that in a minute, you're 30 years in salvation and you still need a pastor in your life, holy, all the time, day in, day out, you're faulty. You've got to get to the stage in your life where you don't need so much pastoral input. Can I tell you that tonight? Hallelujah. And Because and, and I'll tell you something, it's a sin against God if you keep a man or woman of God in your life down functioning you on a certain level and you're, not, you're the cause of not them being released into what God has for them. It's a sin for a congregation to keep, to keep the man of God in a certain level when God's demanding another level. You know, that's why wisdom dictates there's got to be pastoral team in the church. Okay? Can I tell you something? I'm serious about this. I used to love doing all those things. You know, because that's how I functioned. That's how I functioned. I'm being brutally honest with you tonight. I used to love doing dedications and weddings and, 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 and all these things. See, now, you know, oh, could somebody please do this? Pastor Hervey, that's your job. 
Why? You're, you're functioning as a house pastor. Okay? Can I tell you something? I'm not decrying that stuff. I have demons to kill. Can I tell you something? Do you understand my heart on that? By the grace of God, you know, tongue in cheek, I have demons to slay. Huh? And I'm not saying that those things aren't important in the life of a church. Of course they are. But they're done by the right people under the right grace, by the right anointing. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Now, the apostolic mindset has a grace to mature, to equip, and release the believer into the work of God. Huh? Into the work of God. Now, let me qualify some things just on that. There are gifted people in church, okay? Gifted people. Here's what can hinder your gift. Your neediness. Anybody know what I talk about when I talk about needy people? Okay? I call them VDPs as well. There's VIPs in the church, okay? There's VDPs. Do you want to know what a VDP is? A very draining person. Now, listen to me. You've got to get to the point in your life where you be, go beyond being a needy person. Can I tell you something? I know when I'm around needy people too long. Know how I know it? I'm empty. And they're full. And you know, next week, a week later, I see them. I'm empty again. They're full. And you see, the next week you see them. I'm empty again. They're full. And so goes on the process. Needy people. Now, is there a time when God will bring you into a pastoral arena for your healing and for your deliverance and for your growth and development and for your heart to be fixed and all that stuff? Absolutely. He will do it. But I'm telling you something now. God expects you to come to a place in your life where you begin to become not so needy. And instead of being needy, you be the one that invests and helps needy people. But at the same time, you can't help needy people your whole life. Can I tell you something? You just can't. And that's where pastors sometimes who transition get accused. Okay? I heard it put like this, that, you know, the church in the young years of the church is on the breast of the Lord through being on the pastor's breast. You know, he's nursing the church. No, you, you do with wee babies. You know, you nurse and, and, and you feed the church. And then what happens is the pastor's called by God, like Moses, to go up the mountain, to go somewhere, to go to a different place. And what's the church say? Ah, that pastor's not the same. He's not as warm as he used to be. Do you remember the days the pastor used to stand at the door and shake your hand and, and give you, you don't even see him now. <laughs> Thinks he's something now. Thinks he's, can I tell you something? That's foolish thinking. Because by releasing, by the church releasing, the church goes to a new level. The church goes to a new level. And you know the thing about Israel, Marty often preached this, and I, I enjoyed that revelation she brought to the church, that the Israel used to say to Moses, oh, go on up, we're not going. We don't want to go, you go up. You know, you got to go up the mountain for yourself. You got to learn to burrow in God for yourself. You got to learn to, to, to burrow out life for yourself. You know, Stephen's leading us in worship. And we're all, he's standing up there getting his lamps out. Huh? I don't know what he's going through. I don't know what God's doing in him in a deep way. But I know one thing. He continues to stand up there and function in spite of what he's going through because God is doing something deep. Deep. 
When you have to stop functioning because you're going through something, you have not yet matured. If you're going through something and you have to spend time at a church, you've not yet matured. If you're going through something and you have to stop your ministry, you've not yet matured. I'm sorry to say it. You've not yet matured. Oh, but I'm mature. I'm a, you may think you're mature, but I'll tell you something. Actions speak louder than words. You know the ultimate test of your governance of your own life? When you're self-governing and you've got good self-differentiation, all hell can be breaking loose around you and you'll still function. Because you understand. Now, I'm not saying that from time to time you might not need a respite. Of course, Jesus Christ himself needed respite. But I'll tell you something, he functioned in Gethsemane. I'll tell you something, he was on the cross, he was still functioning. And we looked on Easter, when he died, he was still functioning. Can you see what I'm saying tonight? So, we're talking about self-government and self-differentiation are essential. Maturity. What, what do I mean by that? Self-governing. Here's what the greatest explanation of self-government is. Now think about this. Okay? You're the lost Christian alive on the face of the earth. Think about it. Me. Me. Could Jesus Christ propagate the gospel through you? Could he use you to keep the church alive and build it and grow it? That's what self-governing means. I'm telling you, think about that. And let me encourage you. Say, Pastor, I wouldn't be that. Okay, let me add another word. Yet. But what's the job of an equipping church? To get you to that place. But here's your part in it. Your part in it is this. You must cooperate with the anointing. Can I tell you something? There's not a person in this city couldn't come to this church and get what they need. The anointing's here. The grace is here. The Word of God's here. The fellowship's here. The love's here. The worship's here. But have they got the heart for it? Have they got the willingness to submit? Have they got the, 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 the hunger? Because I'm telling you something, not everybody has. Why? Because I'll tell you why, okay? People, here's hindrances to your self-government, your self-differentiation. Here's what they are. Wallowing. People wallow in the way they are. Self-pity. Anybody say amen? Here's an attention-seeking. You know, some people like the way they are. They like the way they are. Here's the way I put it one time. Um, 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 the lesser of two evils. Let's have no evil. Huh? Better the devil you know. Because as I said before, you see, to get some people to a place where they have to uh, uh, let go of their coping mechanisms, they find that more scary than having to deal with the coping mechanism. You know that? People find it more scary to trust God than to do to trust their alcohol, their cigarettes, their sexual immorality, their TV, their food addictions, their computer addictions. People will grab those things when they're under stress, when they, when they need coping mechanisms before they'll grab onto Jesus Christ because that scares them because they don't like trusting Jesus too much. They can trust him a bit. You know that? But when it comes to, to fully letting go of all those things that they've been comfortable with for years and trust Jesus, they find it hard. You know, so, oh no, let me grab for the chocolate. Let me grab for the drink. Let me grab for this. Let me grab for, the, for that. 
and they'll grab for these, reach for these coping mechanisms in their lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ask yourself a question, what's my coping mechanism? You can ask it if you want. Oh, you're not asking it? Okay. What's my coping mechanism? Good question. How do you cope when you're under stress? What do you do? Huh? Oh, I pray. Oh, good for you. Some people don't pray. Come on, am I speaking to a church tonight and, and, and living in a, real, in a real world? Oh, I read 43 chapters a day of my Bible. You liar. You liar. You can't remember the last time you read 43 of your chapters of your Bible. Huh? But you see that four-hour DVD series that you watched last week? Of that 18 uh, uh, series of, of, of the bill, or whatever it is, I don't know, you know, or, or um, Coronation Street Revisited. Sick. Huh? You see, people say, you know, people even escape reality in romance novels and all sorts of stuff, you know, I'm serious. But the will of God is for us to reach for Him. And, and, and somebody says, but pastor, hi, what do you mean reach for God? God? God can't fix me the way I can get uh, stress relief from some of these behaviors that I sometimes uh, uh, spiral into. I'm telling you something, he can. He can. I remember coming in a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago in the church, you don't even know this. And I'm saying to Marty a couple of days before, oh, I can feel stress on my shoulders, you know. That's where I can feel stress sometimes, you know, on my shoulders. It's like a yoke, you know, and you feel tight. And, and then you say, Marty, get, rub, give us a wee, no. Because <laughs> you get the, the thumbs in it, you know. And then, or, or mates will do it like, there, okay. <laughs> As if like 15 seconds, it's going to, you know, I'm talking like an hour, do an hour, you know. So. Would you somebody pray for her and speak, speak to her? And so I'm coming in, and there I am, you know. Busy, busy time, and you're trying to download from God what God wants from you. You're thinking on the church and all the things, and and then he starts singing this song. I don't know what is the name of that song. And, and one of the lines comes up, you know. He will help you with your stress. Do you know that song? And I'm going... <laughs> And that was all I needed, to read a line of a song where the Lord was saying to me, come on, stress, come on. I can help you with your stress. You know, as if, as if we are. Like, can I tell you something? Stress is stress. You know, your, your battle's your battle. Your devil's your devil. Whatever you have to fight, you, what you have to fight. And it may not be the same as somebody else's, you know, but at that time, it's still your battle. And you still feel the battle of it, you know. And, and of course, you say, oh, what about the people in Malawi? They don't eat and haven't got this and have no TV and have no light bulbs. That's their battle. But you still have your battle here. Everybody has devils chasing them up. Everybody has devils harassing them. And no matter what, it's still your battle. And nobody understands your pain like who? You. Only Jesus. Huh? That's what I'm talking about. So self-government, self-differentiation are essential maturity when you think of an Antioch mentality. Because an Antioch mentality speaks of maturity. It speaks of people who are ready to give more than ready to receive. 
You understand what I'm saying? Now, are we still going to have pastoral care in this church? Trust me, because people come in at different levels. People come in at new levels. But I'm talking to you guys that have been here now a wee while. And what I'm saying to you is, pray and seek the Lord about your continuing maturity and development and growth. And you're coming to a place of self-governing, you know. So if you're in here 18 years and you're still whining, can I tell you something? Come on. Tell the person beside you, I think a pastor's right. Okay. And when I say whining, I don't mean W-I-N-I-N-G, whining. I mean W-H-I-N-I-N-G. Just let me qualify. You have to qualify everything in church now. Somebody could say, oh, I thought the pastor meant take a wee wine for your stress sick. I'll tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me qualify this. We can laugh about it. Wasn't the first Christian that I heard and knew that started to take a wee glass of wine just for a wee release and a wee thing. Before you know it, they're knocking bottles of it into them. Before you know it, they've got a problem. You know, uh, not, she won't make me sin. Speak to Mandy about her life. Ask her about her testimony. What happened to her, how the devil got her. I'm telling you something. We think we can control. We think we have the power. I tell you something, something can sneak up on you. Something can get a grip on you. You don't even know you've been got. That's the powers of darkness, I'm telling you. Now, how did I get on to all that? Where am I now? We're talking about Antioch Church. Antioch Church. We're talking about how we're transitioning over. We're talking about the characteristics. Because as I've been looking at this, studying it, and really asking God to, to give me the understanding, because let me tell you something, I believe that that's what God's doing with this church. In case you didn't already know it. I believe we're, we're called to become an apostolic people, an apostolic church. Now, somebody says, does that mean we don't have pastors now? No, it does not mean that. Because Antioch had all the offices and the graces in the church. But God told us a long time ago, I want you to raise up a New Testament church the like of which has never been seen before in this city. And I don't know too many Antioch churches in this city. And God told us he was calling us to be a model. Okay, that's a pioneer. A pioneer, that's what a model is. That other people can model off. So you need to understand contextually. And you, you, what your prayer should be is, Lord, what do you require of me now as an individual within that context? And that's what your prayer should be. That's how you should be seeking God now. Father, I'm coming under a new grace, a new season, a new, a new, a new type of demand from you, Lord, where you have allowed me to sit and be coochie-coo for a wee while and be pastored and loved and nurtured on the breast. But now you're calling me to come to maturity, to come to, to, to the equipping, to come to be able to, to, to output and to do things without needing all, okay, being so needy, needy, where you need, we need something every week just to keep you going. Can you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and somebody says, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. there's grace in this church. I don't care how needy you are. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what hell you have come from in your background. I know, I know the grace of God is in this church for you. But when are you going to start cooperating with it and stop resisting it? You know, give in. I told you a few weeks ago, we used to do this, mercy, 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 mercy. Do you give in? Do you give in? Yes. 
And God is like that with us. With us, He wants us to give in. He wants us to submit. You know, my pastor used to say it like this. Down in the south of Ireland, you come to the road. We up here, we have give way. But down in the south of Ireland, it says yield. And he, he, he noticed that yield. You've got to yield to the grace of God. Huh? Got to yield to the grace of God. You can't afford pity parties or wallowing or, 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 or attention-seeking things. We're in a day and in our church, it's so time to grow up. It's so time to grow up. So where's that scripture? Like, Ephesians 4, we're being called to grow up into him. Who's the head? Huh? Jesus Christ. Pastor, I know you've called me to Africa, but I, oh Lord, I know you've called me to Africa. I can't get there. Why? Because such and such had a big toenail injury on Monday night. And on Tuesday night, he ripped his tights. And on Wednesday night, he pulled the quick out of his nail. Do you understand what I'm saying? These things can become such frivolous, distracting things that it can hinder the church from the plan and the will of God. I'm serious. Now, do you see pastors? I'll tell you what. They're born for that. They put plasters on your feet day and night. Yeah? They'll come and give you Novocaine into your tooth if it's sore. You know, they'll do all that. Pastors do that. They're anointed to do it. They'll rock you to sleep. If you need it. See, my pastor, he was a born and bred pastor. He was an evangelist too, but pastor, my goodness, you could have went into that church and after like 10 minutes in his presence, he just, you were healed. Huh? He just, that's what, that's what they do. Tell your neighbor, we're being called up higher. Does that mean I won't get a hug anymore? No. If you need a hug, we'll give you one. But not every week. Least a month. Okay. The Antioch church was a model apostolic church. Okay. The church in Jerusalem was governed by the apostles, but the Holy Spirit's emphasis shifted to the church at Antioch. It shifted. It's a new season, a new time. Okay. Now, the church at Antioch initiated apostolic endeavors, okay, that resulted in the planting of strategic churches. You see, the other churches that were born and birthed, they were moved out of Antioch. Huh? What are we doing in Malawi? We're planting a church. What are we going to do in the other continents of the earth? We're going to plant churches and plant works. That's how I know, but we can't do it with a Jerusalem mindset. We've got to shift and change. And that might rock your boat if you're still pastorally inclined. Eh? That's when six weeks, eight weeks, two years from now, I said, oh, never see the pastor. Never see him. He's in one continent, and then he's in the next continent, and then he's somewhere else, and then he's in that continent. Eh? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, the pastor's some life. Travels the world. Can I tell you something? There's sometimes I travel, I'd rather be with my family. I'll tell you something. I've been in them situations where I just wanted to be home. And God has required me to be there. Now, why there's the will of God? Can I tell you something? There's not always better than there. Huh? I'm serious. 
You know, I remember hearing uh, somebody question one of the preachers about that, about their, their ministry of um, itinerant ministry. And they traveled all over the world, all throughout the year. And they was like, oh, oh, wish I had that. Oh, what if, oh. See, after about a year, you know what you're asking? Lord, are you sure you've still called me to this? Because the novelty wears off everything. And I've often said this, and if you don't know it, I'm telling you something, ministry isn't always cracked up, isn't always what it's cracked up to be. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's sometimes, you know, ask people in ministry a long time, ask them if you don't believe me, there are times they wish they could have got away from it. But you know what? You're yoked with the Lord. It's his yoke. Huh? And his yoke is easy, his burden is light. You know, I understand that. Still some difficult times, I tell you. Trust me, if you don't already know it, you're going to discover it. Thus says the Lord. Uh, okay, the church at Antioch represents a governing, listen, territorial apostolic church. Can I tell you something? As we transition, I believe our governmental authority will extend over this city and over this nation. Can somebody say amen? amen. You watch and see. Because we, we, it already has in the city to some degree. To some degree. Well, then why have we not uh, thousands in the congregation? You don't need thousands. Jesus had 12. 12, but there was weight there. There was authority there. Huh? You know? In fact, can I tell you something? The chances are, oh God, the chances are if we had been willing to stay Jerusalem mindset. <laughs> huh? We talked about it last night. I said, do you think? You think the people that have come through our church in and out, in and out, in and out, haven't stayed. And he says, but pastor, it's the word. It's the word that's preached. They won't stay. Too much commitment. You know? Too, too, too. Not in there. Oh. I'm serious. I'm serious. We don't know any better. We don't know any different. The characteristic of the Antioch church gives it the unique ability to be a strategic church in the plan of God. Do you know if God raises up an Antioch model, he doesn't have that church on his mind. He has regions on his mind. He has cities on his mind. He has people groups on his mind. He has continents on his mind. I'm serious. One man, Paul, who learned to function in the entirety of his apostolic anointing, what did he achieve? I'm telling you something. What happens when God can get a church functioning in the entirety of its apostolic grace? Huh? And it wasn't always the apostles that went out. But can I tell you something? It was people who were uh, exposed to the apostolic grace. The apostolic grace. Now, there are 12 characteristics of the Antioch church. And we're going to look at just a couple of them tonight. I'm going to carry on this for two or three weeks. But I want you to grasp this church want you to grasp this and understand what you are. Understand what God's requiring of you. Understand that where God wants to take us. You know, see what's happening here? This is early days. This is early days. This is akin to Paul's first missionary trip. Paul's three missionary trips we went out from. Know where he went from? Antioch. Huh? This is akin to uh, early days. Early days. Here's the first characteristic Okay, you can write these down if you want. If not, you can get the CD, okay? Antioch churches are full, listen to this, of breakthrough believers. What, ask your neighbor, what's a breakthrough believer? 
tell him, he's about to tell you. Put up Acts 11, Acts 11, 19 and 20. You see breakthrough believers? Breakthrough believers are exactly, do exactly what it says on the tin. They break through. They have an ability to break through. Okay? Breakthrough believers do not accept the status quo in the church. They won't accept it. They just can't accept it. Always seeking for the more. Always seeking for the something else. Breakthrough believers. What is it? Read it out, Stephen. Acts 11, 19 and 20 for me, please. Breakthrough means overcoming, penetrating an obstacle or a restriction. These guys broke through in the another people group. Okay, that they weren't preached too formally. And they were they came and they, and they broke through. The preach the preaching was primarily to Jews. What did they do? They come and who'd they speak to? The Grecians. They broke through. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 and, 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 and they weren't settling for just what was already there. They were looking to go beyond in the other people group, okay? It's the foundation of the church at Antioch. Churches that have breakthrough believers will have a foundation to break, break through and penetrate into various regions. Why do you think we're being successful here? You know, have a look at all those photographs. None of those people were known to us a year and a half ago. That region wasn't known to us a year and a half ago. They didn't have anything happening there. All of a sudden, God raises up an apostolic grace, sets it into the middle of them, functions and flows for a little while, and what happens? We begin to create a stir. Huh? Told you a couple of weeks ago, I got an email back from Apostle Botha, who's serving us to a degree over there. But you know what I tell you something? I would love somebody from this church to say to me, Pastor, I feel called to Africa. Okay, come out, we'll equip you, ordain you, and send you over. Huh? That's what we're missing. You feel, anybody feel called to Malawi? I'll send you. Not, not yet. Not yet. Soon, but not yet. I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody that's been through all the processing. Somebody that's ready, you know, equipped by God, and they're just now waiting on this, you know, activation, boom, switch turned on. Huh? But we have representation there, but ideally... I want people from this church to be representing me on these continents. Okay? In fact, I want them to be of me. What do I mean by that? Sons and daughters, not acquaintances. Sons and daughters. That's the people to plant out. You know, oh, met Big Joe up the road half a week ago. I'm going to send him to Africa. No, Big Joe won't be going to Africa. I have a look at Big Joe. I find out who he is, what he is, and what he's reaching for. Huh? Somebody say amen. amen. Tell your neighbor that's the truth. So, whoo, the apostolic anointing is a pioneering anointing, okay? Apostles are set in the church first, okay? Now, we've looked at these things over recent weeks. We're talking in the context of the church at Antioch. We're talking about breakthrough. Breakthrough believers have to be led by breakthrough leaders. Huh? Everything after or what? Its own kind. 
I'm telling you, you should be thanking God. No, let me, let me make you this promise in Jesus' name by the Spirit of God on me. I promise you, <laughs> in Jesus' name, your life will never be dull in this church. Your life will never be dull in this church. You know, you will know what's happening at times. Oh, we'll go through seasons where it'll be, well, it's quiet, but there's an explosion coming. There's always an explosion coming in among breakthrough believers. Huh? I've seen this church quiet and they lull even for months at a time, and all of a sudden, wham! God breaks in and takes us on another wee, another wee mountain climbing experience. Uh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You've been here long enough, you know what I mean? Huh? I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. There's something coming. There's something coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, okay, <clears throat> Antioch churches are breakthrough churches. Breakthrough churches in Jesus' name. They stir and raise up a company of breakthrough believers. Okay? A breakthrough believer. I'm, I'm standing worshiping tonight, you know, and Stephen pulls one out from the history books, history banks. La, 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 And all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. See, you know, breakthrough believers just can't, you know. See, that's what stirs you up. You, you want to know what's stirring you up. It's the anointing of God. Huh? Shout to the Lord. Oh, yeah. That's like normal people from Jerusalem type churches, churches come in and think. Huh? But you're not abnormal. You're perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. You know? Now, you were on your best behavior on Sunday. Because <laughs> I noticed it. And I said, oh, there's a church now that's moving in wisdom too. Because on Sunday, if he started going, la, 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 la. That dedication mightn't have got done. <laughs> so he that winneth souls is ways. You can't drive people away from the church thinking they're all lunatics. At least not to the third or fourth time anyway. Huh? <laughs> you know, as a young church, we've been there. You know? Remember we opened on the Saturday night here? And um, it was, how long ago was it now? Seven years we were in this building? Seven years we are in here. And uh, we put out invites to all the friends in the city, you know, pastors and leaders and church people, to come and celebrate our new opening of our, of our building. And so they all come. And different people come. There was people from your work. And, of course, dangerous, a young preacher, you know, it gets a church full of sinners and heathens and family and all. Oof. You know, sealed without knowledge is dangerous. <laughs> and that Saturday night, you know, we had it loud. You remember? Get it up, get it up. <laughs> and he did, you did one particular song, you know, and it was, yeah, we're a new church in the city, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's laughing. Hey, on Sunday you were crying, now you're laughing. You see, this church is never dull. I keep telling you that. Hey, you've been laughing one minute and crying the next. And what happened was, uh, well, of course, dignitaries from the church were here. 
You know, you know, no, 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 a dignitary evening where you keep everything. And now we would like to invite to the pulpit our great and close friend, Pastor. Yeah. And so what happened, what happened was um, they did that, you see? And the people was worshipping and it was good, you know. And so it come my turn to get up, you see? And I says, right, this is my chance. Do you, do you remember this? Yeah. I said, right! <laughs> <laughs> You're all here now! And I don't know what condition you're in. <laughs> See if they're not. But there's men and women of God tonight and they're going to minister to you. I'm telling you, backsliders, you're going to come back to the Lord tonight. And of course, we made the appeal. Nobody came. <laughs> I wonder why, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that zeal, you know. And of course, I'm thinking, Lord, this might be the one and only time I get a chance. I want to be free from the blood of all men. They're going to get it. <laughs> but nobody came. But wisdom has taught us, you know, that we need to be he that winneth souls is wise. So we don't scare people out of the church. Eh? We don't scare them off. They're lunatics in there. You know? Now, oh, okay. The Holy Spirit comes on us at times, you know? But, you know, on Sunday, ah, you were being well behaved. I could feel it. Uh, there's just a wee level there, just a ceiling. There was a couple of, yeah, up, down again. That was it. <laughs> so, it's hard to keep an Antioch people quiet. It's hard to keep breakthrough believers from getting excited. Uh, it's hard. We're not ordinary believers. You know what I'm saying? We won't settle for some things. If God has put something more in us, He's put something more in us that won't settle for the norm. Settle for the status quo, you know? So we're a breakthrough church, always expanding into more of the plan and the purposes of God. We won't settle for the normal patterns of religion and tradition. And that's why the misunderstanding comes often into this realm. Because you can't settle for religiosity. You can't settle for churchianity or for tradition. It's stagnant and it's dead. And it gives you no life whatsoever. So tell somebody, I am determined to be a breakthrough believer. Here's what breakthrough believers did who came to Antioch, okay? They pioneered new moves of God. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing? Wonderful. Huh? Oh, that's a weird church. Why? Because we're on cutting edge. Let's go back 20 years and we'll be with you. No, you know, no thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. Here's another quality of a breakthrough believer. I've just said it, able to move under intense pressure. Under intense pressure. The church in Antioch moved under intense pressure at times. Okay? That's why we won't be stopped. We won't be stopped in Jesus' name. We're able to move under intense pressure. Okay? Here's another quality. Move without compromise. You see? Now, we toned it down just a little bit on Sunday for our visitors, helping them, but we still preach the gospel. We still preach to Jesus Christ loud and clear. No compromise. The only way of salvation is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? So we don't compromise, you know? I've told you before, people could be all around here if we just had compromised a wee bit. We can't. It's not that we want to be unfriendly. It's not that we don't want to be all embracing. It's not that we don't want to be inclusive. We do. But we're not for sale. Amen. We're not for sale. 
Huh? And you know the testimony I always tell about Uncle Billy, huh? Who was baptizing. And um, all these went to this baptismal service. I'll tell it again for the benefit of those that don't know it. And he went up this baptismal service, and all these ministers were here with big collars on. See? And one, somebody comes to him and says, Billy, we want you to do the baptizing. He says, oh, yeah. oh, all right. He says, I'll do it. But he wondered, what are they asking me for? All these big collars. He says, they're asking me? And he smelled a rat. Because people wouldn't set you up, surely. And he got in and he baptized these five guys. You know? We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the last one's getting in. And this one with a collar comes over to Uncle Bill and he says, Billy. This big man wants baptized in Jesus' name only. Oh. I says, he, well, he did, he did that, did he? He says, he did. He says, I says, he says, I was in the middle of the tank. And he says, I just put my hands up and says, Lord, I'm not for sale. He says, I'm not for sale. He says, you better give me wisdom here. Well, there could be a row. <laughs> and so he stand in the tank, and as we explained it, he says, what do you think, son? He says, wisdom dropped into my heart. God, pull me out of a hole. I says, why? He says, I got him in, and you're drowned him. <laughs> he says, I held him under. He says, brother, he named his name. That man's still alive today. I've met him. He says, I baptize you in Jesus' name. Who said, in Matthew 28, I'm going to go ye therefore baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you see, the guy couldn't argue because Jesus did say that. And he says, son, that's not wisdom that comes from God, a uh, man. That's wisdom that comes from God. God knew I'm not a compromiser. He knew I'm not for sale. And when I asked him for the wisdom, he dropped it in. He says, what do you think? One of the boys with a collar come over to me after when I was getting my tea. And he says, go on, Billy. You used wisdom there. <laughs> and he says, I was very nearly going to say to him, oh, but you put me in it. He says, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. So we're not compromising. You understand? And you know what I'm saying to you is, I have been in groups of believers who maybe don't feel the same way I feel about something. But here's the first thing. I've got to love them. You've got to love each other. Find common ground. Don't be a doctrinaire. Don't look for, always look for points of, of, of discrepancy and disunity. Look, love each other. See that guy on the phone today? You know what? I'm telling you something. Now, now think, I hope there's none in. A believer, but an orange believer, a loyalist, British to the core, like fra. Um, <laughs> and, and, and saved, you know, and, a, and, and uh, Mr. Paisleyite and all that stuff. But you know what I know? I'm never going to change him. But I have to love him. I have to accept him. You understand? You know, and he'll never change me. Huh? He'll never change me. So, so we got to just accept one another. Sometimes the greater wisdom to keep your gub. And say nothing. Keep peace. That's not compromising. You understand? Because I know at the end of the day, if that brother calls me on some things, then I'll call him back. 
Can you see what I'm saying? But don't go there unless it's absolutely necessary. If it's a major, if it's a major truth, if it's a fundamental truth, then contend it. Huh? You know, but not over, you know, my granny wears a hat the church on Sunday. Well, mine doesn't, she's free. Oh, <laughs> you understand? And sometimes those guys, that's where they'll take you. Take you into that nonsense that, 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 that separates and use all your energy up, you know? I contended with that guy like 12 years ago one time over the, the, the doctrine of eternal salvation. And one night, you remember I came into the house after being in his car for three hours? <laughs> that's the way I felt. And I, I, I learned a great lesson. I said, I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'll tell you something. I said, that's all right. That's what he believes. Let him believe it. God bless you. You know, but I'm not fighting that. I know, I'll tell you something. What else do Antioch people do? They move in progressive revelation. So in other words, the Lord speaks and you're willing to listen and obey and do. Progressive revelation, you know? You know, I'll tell you one of the greatest progressive revelations in the Bible. You know, know who received it? In my mind, Abraham. Go out, Abraham. Where am I going? Just start walking, son. <laughs> I'll tell you as you go. You know, we, we want, well, where, where am I going, Lord? Uh, where's that? How am I going to get there? Have you got something for me when I get there? Have you got a house? Have you got this? Have you got that? Progressive revelation sometimes is God gives you the first part of it and then you obey yeah, and you just, just walk, just walk it out. Huh? Progressive revelation. We, we have been moving in progressive revelation. I have on a personal level. Why? I'm grasping what season the church is in in our city. And I believe that if God has sent what he's saying to our church, he's saying it to the church because we are the church. But know what I know? Some people are going to go for it. And some people aren't. We're going to be goers. Tell somebody, I'm a goer. Tell somebody, I'm a real goer. I'm a going. Here's another thing about the Antioch church. They move under authority. Huh? They understand authority. They understand positioning. Who's who in your life. What place they hold. You know, we talked about those things. We talked about moving under authority. Now, there is horizontal accountability. Nobody will tell me any different that the Bible does not teach a vertical accountability. You know, I could go through the Bible, give you, give you scriptures, Hebrews 13, 17. You know, in fact, I'll tell you what, put that up. Just in case somebody needs to hear this. Put it up, Hebrews 13, 17. This is one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible that, that, that teaches authority in the Lord. Now, we know it's not oppressive. It's not a bullying authority. It's a safety thing. It's a, it's a, it's a relational thing. It says, obey them that have the what? Where, where do they have the rule from? What's the word say? Over you. Now, that's not horizontal. That's vertical. Okay? That's vertical. It says that have the rule over you. And listen, you see people that God gives authority in your life? You know, God will see to it that they earn it. They earn the respect. They earn the right. I've told my people for many years, you don't let any just Tom, Dick, or Harry just walk over you and start speaking nonsense into your life, prophesying, who are they? Where have they come from? What way are they living? Who do they live with? 
Who has shepherded pastor them? Who's fathered them? Huh? Credible people with credibility, with fruit trailing behind them. That's the type of people you want speaking in. Huh? No, it says, obey them. Does it say, um, reason with them? Does it say, reason with them that have the rule over you? Debate with them? What does it say? Uh, you know what that word is in the Greek? Obey. Huh? It's obey. I'm serious, church. Some believers have a big problem with this. Huh? They want to be like a free bird. You know, I've said it before. Jesus is my pastor. Holy Spirit's my teacher. Oh, here we go. And submit yourselves. Submission's not natural for us. It's not natural. Why? We're all a bunch of rebels. And don't you try preaching about Adam. Because if you had been in there, you would have probably done the same thing. Why? You are mankind too, as he was. You understand? Anybody not a rebel? Huh? Me, I'm not a rebel. Get out. No. <laughs> Look, here's the basis of their authority. It's not just because God gives three straights, right? You do this, you do that, get you there, go you there. It's not about that. That's not the type of authority God's talking about. Here's where it's rooted in. It's rooted in service. Because what? For they what? Watch for your souls. That's what authority's rooted in. Huh? Did you ever think, can I tell you something? Trust me when I tell you this. Sometimes you've been snoring and I've been praying for you. You think God hasn't moved me at night to pray for the church? You think God hasn't moved me early morning to pray for the church? You think God hasn't brought me away to pray for the church? That's why we were able to bring revelation to you at times, counsel, direction for your life. Why? Because we, we watch for your souls. You know, oh, we see you veering off. Say, hey, you're veering off. I'm not veering off. Who are you talking to? You're veering off. It says, as they must give an account. Do you know that God will call people that he has given authority to, to give an account, okay, of how they have handled that authority over the ones he's accountable to in his authority? Do you know that? That's why I say, I am more afraid of God than I am of my congregation or my trustees or my elders. I don't need to worry about them guys. I need to worry about him because he's coming looking for me, not these guys. Huh? And the reality of it is, God comes to the person, can I tell you something, who has responsibility. Huh? You know, I'm serious. You remember it was Moses didn't get in the promised land. Huh? So we understand these things, that they may do it with joy. Huh? Are you a source of joy to your pastor? If not, you better be. <laughs> I'm serious. Let's see what the Bible says. And not with grief. For that is unprofitable for who? I'll tell you something. You annoy me. He's going to annoy you. <laughs> Tongue in cheek. But look at what it says. What do you think it means? There's it in black and white. First, what does it say? So, so for, for that is unprofitable for you. I do believe that, yes, God will call leaders to account on how they handle their ministry. But you know what I also believe in the day of judgment? God's going to call some congregations to account for how they treated the men and God, that God put there, will. I'm serious. That's according to that. That's how I interpret that. 
So we're talking about uh, Antioch churches that move under authority. It's all about safety. It's all about relational connection, you know? Um, and of course, what has happened? Some people have misinterpreted. Some people have been, you know, um, abusive. Some people have not understood God's heart, even in authority. They've not understood it. And so what has happened is they have hurt some people, they have wounded some people, and now some people won't submit to anybody. And so they've taken the baby and the bathwater and they've thrown it all out. You see, but that's a fault too. You know, I always say, even in context of church, the Lord's moving, the devil's moving, and the flesh is moving. You've got to work it out. You can't stop it all and hope you miss it all because you'll miss God. You've got to discern and decipher and work it out and sometimes roll your sleeves up and get bogged down into it and find out what's going on. You know, you've got to get to the bottom of it. Okay? And here is the last one. We'll finish with this one. An Antioch church with a mindset like that will move to impact society. Huh? They'll move to impact society. You know? I had a point of contact last night from an email... I was on emails last night or I was doing something, maybe even just looking at some of this stuff. And, and um, I had a contact from Pastor Craig Fisher. Who remembers him? From Brownsville, Pensacola. He was the discipling pastor in the School of Ministry. He brought a group of young students here. Uh, who remembers Margot? You remember Margot? And you remember, uh, what do you call him on the drums? What was his name? Daniel. Daniel. Eh? Daniel. Oof. He would have made Jay look like... Eh? And... Uh, he was from Seattle. Margot was a Jewish. She was a Jewess, converted to Christ. She used to go into her home city of New York. This is a kid, 19 years of age. He used to go in the synagogues and wrestle, wrestle the rabbis, tell them why they were wrong, talk about her testimony. Yeah? They threw her out of synagogues, 19 years of age. Now, I didn't know this stuff, but as they were sitting here, I felt, you know, the Lord just moving me to bring her to preach that Friday night. Do you remember? I said, Margot, come and share. What I didn't know was she had never preached before in that context. And she'd been saying to the Lord, could you open up the door for me, Lord? So we put her up there. I'll tell you what. She was in fire. 19-year-old kid. You know? And she started telling me about how some guy in the Bible college, now listen, come to her and told her, the Lord says, I'm to be your husband. She says, what? She says, blow. Take a hike, she says, when God tells me you're to be my husband. Oh, she was, she was, but you know, Jews, that's how they are, you know. And so um, she came, she preached here. So Pastor Craig sent me an email last night. It was such a blessing, you know. And uh, he was talking about um, the church. Tell me about the church, Glenn. Uh, tell me about the plant. What, 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 what will happen? How did, so we sent them off emails, telling them all about it, you know. And uh, I was telling them about how that, God had been transitioning us. Just told him what was in my heart tonight. He's transitioning us, you know, from a pastoral model only into a five-fold arena, apostolic church, Antioch-type church, you know, where people are going to go out and people are going to come, you know. And um, he was excited, you know. So the thing about it is we're talking about how that, you know, people get excited about that. But, you know, he, 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 what was he doing? He went to South Africa or, or South America. 
didn't he? And he raised up teams of kids and took them to missions and gave them experience on the mission field in Mexico and, and Guatemala and all these places. So I knew when I began to tell him about a plant in Africa, uh, it's going to stir him up. See, because that's, that's how he is. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if someday he ends up over here, you know? So they move, they impact society. I was telling them about my journey into uh, football and these kids, you know, have got some wonderful testimonies up there already, you know? But I was telling them all about that, where to go into society and impact society, even beyond the church. In fact, what you get here is to empower you for what you do out there. So you come and you get your infilling and your provocation and, your, and all the anointing of God flowing. It's to get out and get at them. Can you say amen? So that, how did we get, stand up. That's one tonight. <laughs> there was 12. <laughs> we'll maybe squeeze 12 weeks out of this. But it's my job to make sure you transition properly in your mind and in your heart. And can I tell you something, church? That's a good point. I had that flown to me tonight as I was standing there. It's all about heart connection. I've said it even with the pastoral ministry and the pastoral office. You know something? When you're connected in your heart to people, to your church, your relationship will be different. It goes beyond just an informal or a formal, you know, head connection. There's got to be heart connection. You've got to have a heart connection to the mandate of this church. You know, you've got to understand what you're called to do and to be as part of this anointing, as part of this mandate, as part of this church, and that best suits and best fits the church when you understand that, you know? Because then when certain things happen, you will have the reason, the answer, why? You will know because it's part of the mandate from heaven. You know, there are so many believers today, church, and they're in the churches, and you say to them, what's the vision of the church? They couldn't even tell you. It's just something they do. It's somewhere they go a couple of times a week. You understand? You, you, you want to know what you're investing your hard-earned finances in? Or you want to just keep, you know, you know? You work hard. You want to know that you're investing in something productive? You want to know that you're investing in something of God? Something that's going to produce, produce fruit and produce life in your life? That's why you have to have the heart connection, you know? Bro, I had a word for you when I was standing there earlier on. And I didn't want to turn. I felt like turning, but I didn't because I wasn't sure about it.